I'm about to put in more effort in this Locked on Kings podcast than the Kings put in tonight's game. Yes, the Kings got their asses kicked once again at the hands of the New Orleans Pelicans on their home floor, but it's what happened after the game that makes me think that this Sacramento Kings team might have a serious leadership problem. I'll explain right here on Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked on Kings. Hello and welcome into Locked on Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all season long. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use promo code Locked On for $20 off your first purchase. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports anchor and reporter for ABC 10 News. And to be honest with you, I don't know how this podcast is going to go. I don't know how long I'm going to spend talking about the actual game that happened here inside of the Golden One Center. And and truth be told, I was preparing even after the Kings got beat by 33 points, blown out again this season. They've lost four times now, if you include the in-season tournament, to the New Orleans Pelicans with one more game still to go against them in this building coming up towards the end of of the season. So the Pelicans, we know they've been a matchup nightmare for the Sacramento Kings, but what's happening to this Kings team against teams like New Orleans, but just in general this season, it, it goes beyond matchup nightmare, right? It makes me question there, there's something mentally or fundamentally or something is clearly wrong with this Kings team. And I wasn't too upset, believe it or not, after that blowout loss. It was ugly. It was terrible. I I felt bad for the nearly 18,000 people on family night who spent money uh, to bring their kids here to watch that massacre happen before their eyes. Like, I wasn't really too bothered. And then post-game happened. Now, I want to take you back to something that I talked about here on the Locked On Kings podcast after it happened. When the Kings got blown out here inside the Golden One Center against the Boston Celtics. The first player and only player to come out to the podium and speak to the media was Keon Ellis, two-way player Keon Ellis, who at the time had carved out a, a relatively consistent rotational role with this Kings team. Since then, he recently has kind of fallen out of that rotational spot with Davion Mitchell getting another opportunity. And we'll talk about whether or not Davion Mitchell deserves to lose that opportunity again later on in this podcast. Once again, the Kings are thumped, to put it nicely, at home. And it's Keon Ellis, who is the first and only Kings player to step to the podium. Now, I spoke about this after the Celtics loss. I thought that was incredibly unfair to Keon. You just got your ass kicked. You're going to have a two-way player step to the media and answer questions for why the team got their ass kicked. Not any of the team leaders. But, okay, maybe it was just a one-off. Maybe it's just a one-time thing. Here it is happening again. And if you 
follow Sacramento Kings social media or are involved in any kind of Sacramento Kings social media and follow multiple media members, which I highly encourage you to do so, whether it's uh, Sean Cunningham, James Hamm, Frankie uh, Cardicelli, Brendan Nunez. Uh, there's so many different Kings media members for you to follow that provide content or provide analysis or provide just news and, and, and journalism covering the Sacramento Kings. Almost all of us, in some capacity, are tweeting or talking about this tonight. Because it is not only, again, tremendously unfair for Keon Ellis to step to the podium. Keon didn't check into this game until Sacramento was down by 40 freaking points. He didn't play until the garbage time fourth quarter, which actually, from a Kings perspective, ended up being the best part of this game. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Not only is it unfair to Keon, it is completely embarrassing for the Sacramento Kings organization. And it is maybe a glimpse into one of the major problems with this Kings team right now, which is a lack of leadership and a lack of real-time accountability. Mike Brown has a leadership committee. Now, I don't know who's on this leadership committee, but I can, I can, I can guess a, a couple of names. Like De'Aaron Fox is more than likely on the leadership committee. Demontis Sabonis is more than likely on the leadership committee. Now, to be fair, we did end up speaking to Demo, uh, Sabonis in the locker room. It's a little bit of a different setting because this is a matinee game. Uh, my ABC 10 TV duties weren't like biting at our heels as much as they normally are in post-game press conferences and, and, and after games. So I was actually able to go to the locker room. I'm not usually able to do that very often. So I actually got to speak to Sabonis. But under normal circumstances, like the Celtics game when the Kings were blown out, whoever the Kings give us at the podium, which they're required to give us two players, and head coach Mike Brown, and of course Mike always shows up, Th those are the only players that I get. That's the only sound that I get. Now, before you say, Matt, this sounds like a bunch of media entitlement nonsense, understand that who the players give the media is also who the players are, uh, sorry, who the Kings give the media is also who the Kings are giving you, the fans, for an explanation of what you just spent your money or your time watching which was another embarrassing blowout performance against a team that has beaten you down four times now. So maybe it sounds like entitlement. Maybe it sounds like a media member complaining. I am complaining. But I'm not complaining for myself. I'm more complaining less as a media member. I'm more compla complaining as the, the Sacramento Kings fan that I am that I'm not hearing from De'Aaron Fox, who scored three points tonight, one of ten shooting from the field, turned the ball over four times. I'm not hearing from him. I'm not hearing from Keegan Murray. I don't know if he's on the leadership committee or not. I doubt he is because he's only a second-year player. But Keon, uh, Keegan Murray, eight points tonight, two of nine shooting from the field, only one rebound. I'm not hearing from Malik Monk, who we know is a vocal leader of this Kings team, after scoring six points, two of nine shooting from the field, did have five assists. I'm not hearing from those guys. Again, Domas spoke in the locker room, but if, 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 if I didn't have the opportunity to go to the locker room, I'd have been sitting here going, where's Domas at the podium? The second star on this Kings team. And also, to be honest, I, I don't really blame the Kings for not making Harrison Barnes available. It's, it's been a joke in kind of Sacramento media circles for a while. Over the years that Harrison has been here, more 
of those years have been bad than good, right? And it seemed to always be Harrison's job to step to the podium and speak to the media after bad losses. So Harrison's kind of paid his dues in that sense. It's not giving him a total pass, but also think about the situation right now. He's involved in a crap ton of trade rumors. The Kings have not directly made it known that he's on the chopping block or on the trade block, but anyone kind of that has a sense of what's going on here knows that, that that's the case. So I understand Harrison not being made available, and I do think Harrison is probably on the leadership committee. But all of these stars, these starters, these leaders of this team, MIA, after these blowout losses, it's becoming a consistent theme. To me, this team is not only struggling with the accountability when the, these games are starting to unravel, because the Kings have been blown out and beaten down far too many times this season. Yes, they're a good basketball team. I, I think they're like still six games over 500. They're absolutely a good basketball team. They're, in many ways, better than they were last season. But when they're losing, they're getting stomped. And it's unacceptable. The weakness of this Kings team mentally, how fragile they are, how much they completely fall apart Time and time and time again now, it's a major concern with this Kings team that nobody is wanting to talk about or address after the game directly, and certainly nobody is addressing on the bench during the game. I have a a clip from Mike Brown, one of the things that he said that I I thought was very eye-opening. I'm going to play that clip for you at the start of next segment. But right now, I want to play for you this clip from Mike Brown, James Hamm from ESPN 1320, a uh, uh, longtime Sacramento Kings uh, insider, hosts the insiders on ESPN 1320, and also uh, uh, the, the founder of the Kings Beat. He asked Mike about the lack of leadership or the lack of the leadership committee making an appearance and speaking to the media and taking accountability after these blowout losses. Mike, um... You're here to take the bullet here for your team, but at some point, I mean, this is multiple games where your leadership council is nowhere to be seen at the podium. And I'm just wondering if that's part of this too, like 10 losses a season are blowouts. You guys are sure your record's great, but there seems to be a lack of accountability in these types of games where we're not even getting to see some of these guys that don't show up in the box squad, that don't show up on paper. Yeah, I, I don't, James, and you know, I hope this doesn't feel like a cop-out, I, I don't know, I never have known who comes to the podium and who doesn't, you, you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, that, that would be more Shannon would have to answer, not one time in my career that I ever follow that or track that, you know. Um, but everybody should face the music because, you know, we're, we're, we're all a part of this. And... Um, we all have to speak on it. We all have to address it. And we all have to look at Nye and, and see if we can be better. And it does. It starts with, with Fox and Domas, you, you know, at the end of the day. Those two guys, um, they, they have to be accountable. They have to hold everybody else accountable, just like for me. I mean, it, it, I do too. I mean, I, I'm part of this ass kicking today. And uh, it is what it is. And we got to keep trying to find ways to be better. But, um, um, you know, the, the only way to do it, it, it's not an X and O thing, you know. I mean, you, when you get beat like that, that has nothing to do with X's and O. We can go out with no game plan, and you can take any 10 guys and play harder and fight better than what we did today, and that's what's disappointing, you know. Uh, like I said, from top to bottom, starting with me on down. So 
uh, in terms of who comes to the podium or not. I'm not trying to bail out on that one, but I have, I have, I've never known who's supposed to come here. Like I said, we're going to hear more from Mike Brown here in just a little bit. But before that, I want to let you know that today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by Game Time. Game Time is the number one app that you should be using to buy your Kings tickets, to buy your sporting event, concert tickets, comedy clubs, theatrical shows, whatever it may be. Get your tickets on Game Time. And I certainly hope if you paid to attend tonight's game, which Mike Brown started out his press conference directly apologizing to the fans who paid to watch tonight. I hope you did it on game time so at least you saved yourself as much money as possible. You're going to find the best deals that you can find on game time, which includes last-minute deals. They have these flash deals on last-minute tickets that just cannot be beat. Plus, if you've never been to the Golden 1 Center before and you're thinking about coming but don't know where to sit or what the view is going to be like, you will get the most accurate pictures from your seat or views from your seat so you know exactly what to expect as soon as you sit down in those seats that you paid your hard-earned money for. Game time, take advantage of it. Go to GameTime.com and create an account. Use code LOCKEDON. When you create an account, you'll get $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDON for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets. Lowest price. Guaranteed. Not only... Far too many times have the Sacramento Kings been blown out this season. Far too many times we've been able to question the fight and the heart of this Kings team. And it'd be one thing for an overreacting podcast host like myself or Sacramento Kings fans or anybody on social media or whatever to, to, to overreact and to say, oh, yeah, like this Kings team, they're not fighting. They're not even playing hard. It's one thing if we're hearing that and saying that. It's another thing entirely when your head coach is bringing it up multiple times. Listen to this sound clip from, from Mike Brown. This is an answer to a question that I asked him, and he goes into great detail about what he's seeing, the lack of fight from this Kings team. We're going to talk about it on the other side, but take a listen. A lot of interesting and concerning stuff from the Sacramento Kings head coach here. The, the thing that... I haven't experienced yet is, uh, you know, um, just when teams have it going, just the, the lack of um, physicality and grit and fight back that you want to see in situations like this. Uh, I, I haven't, I've never experienced uh, going through it this many times, and uh, that's what's that's what's bothersome, you know, because you know you're going to lose, and for sure. There have been teams that you know you've had matchup problems with, and whether you I've gone on four against teams throughout the course of the year, or I've been part of a one and three, uh, you know, four game stretch against teams, and uh, but the 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 fight that was non-existent today, and that has been there on a few or that hadn't been there on a few occasions, um, that's the tough part. And, you know, again, I don't hear all the chatter, but, like, I don't see it in guys' eyes, and I don't hear it, you know. There's, there's, you hear the chatter. When, if we're not playing well offensively, you hear that chatter, you know. But the, the diving on the ground for loose balls, freaking just taking a charge, going vertical, hitting somebody, you know, I, I don't really necessarily feel that in situations, and that's, that is bothersome. Um, 
but you got to give uh, New Orleans a lot of credit for doing what they did, too. A couple main things that I took away from that answer. Number one, he says that he's hearing the chatter, but he's not seeing the fight in guys' eyes. This is the, the, the head coach that is saying he is not seeing the fight in the eyes of his players. And you have him saying, with Mike, with all the experience that Mike Brown has had in the NBA, you have Mike saying that he has never experienced something like this before. Going through these games, these blowout losses, where his team continues to not muster up the courage and the strength and the resolve to fight back. Mike Brown for lack of a better term, is, is, is calling out this team for quitting far too often. The Kings quit tonight damn near before the game even started. The New Orleans Pelicans have had the Sacramento Kings number. It seems like every freaking team on the planet comes into Sacramento or comes into a game against the Kings with the expectation that they're going to get good looks and they could actually score because Sacramento's defense is not that good. That's not a new problem. That's been an issue with this Kings team for damn near two decades. But this team after the dawning of the beam and and the season that brought the Kings back to relevancy and ended the playoff drought, this Kings team, the core that has essentially been run back or brought back, maybe they're entitled. Maybe they got too comfortable after the fun of last season, and now that Mike is challenging them to be better and to do more than just score the basketball and outscore their opponents, and now that every other team in the league knows what the Kings are bringing to the table. The Kings aren't catching anybody by surprise anymore. The Kings are getting punched, and they're either not getting back up, or they're just sagging to get against the ropes and waiting for the next combination of punches to come. This Kings team, they're quitting in front of our eyes far too often. And if you have your head coach that is saying, like, I've never experienced this before. Like, we, we can talk all we want. We can call out the fighting. We can call out the, 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 the desire for more, the heart. Even with a good basketball team, the fact that they quit this much, what happens if they go down 2-0, or rather 0-2 in a playoff series? Do they quit? What happens if the Kings get the New Orleans Pelicans in a playoff series? You know, I threw out this, this poll on, 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 on Twitter as a joke, and it, it still pretty much is a joke. There's an obvious answer to this question. But... Like, if the Kings, let's say, were a week and a half left in the season, right? And the Kings are sitting in the sixth seed. And the New Orleans Pelicans are sitting in the third seed. And it looks like it's going to be the Kings and the Pelicans in the first round of the playoffs. At this point, I think there are some Sacramento Kings fans. In fact, I know based off that poll, there are a lot of Sacramento Kings fans that would go, damn it, tank for the play-in. At least get a one home game play in. And if you win that game, you can avoid the Pelicans and we'll take whoever's at the second seed. We'd rather the Kings play anybody else but the New Orleans Pelicans in the playoffs. Because what tells you that this Kings team isn't just going to quit the same way they have seemingly every game, maybe except for one, against the Pelicans so far this season? This Kings team has an accountability and leadership problem. And they have a head coach who's still coming to the podium and he's facing the music after every loss, which he is supposed to do. And he does so with professionalism and grace and humility as much as he possibly can. Doesn't mean that he's not 
to blame for a lot of these issues, and he will also be the first one to say, yeah, you know what, I got to do better, I got to do more. In fact, I asked him a later question uh, as, as a follow-up to my first question, asking him, like, do the coaching, is it on the coaching staff in-game to correct these things and, and to hold these guys accountable more, or does it need to be the players? And he said, the first thing he said was like, no, like, I got to do more clearly with this group. What I'm not doing, it, it's not enough. I know the leaders on the team, the actual players, need to preach this accountability and hold guys accountable, but I clearly have to do more because if I don't, it doesn't get done, right? You have your head coach who's saying, I- I- I'm not seeing the fight in my players' eyes in games like this. And we know this team has fight. They fought hella hard to win a double overtime game just a few nights ago in this building against the Orlando Magic. We know this team has fight, and we know this team has swagger when things are going well. But when things go wrong, man, they quit, they fall apart. The Kings on the glass tonight was embarrassingly bad. Like, we know the Kings at times struggle rebounding the basketball. They were out-rebounded 51-25 to tonight. The Kings had nine rebounds as a team at freaking halftime. Nine rebounds at halftime. Now, an obvious explanation for this is, oh, the New Orleans Pelicans weren't missing any shots. So, defensively, the letdowns defensively were leading to their inability to collect rebounds. And and that's true. Like, the Pelicans were shooting damn near 70% for, for much of that first half. But... The Kings were also missing a boatload of shots, too, and I wasn't seeing any effort whatsoever on the offensive glass. The Kings didn't fight, and the re- the, those rebound numbers make it perfectly clear. You had DeMontis Sabonis, who had 10 rebounds. No other player on the Sacramento Kings had more than freaking two. Harrison Barnes, one rebound. Keegan Murray, one rebound. Chris Duarte, zero rebounds. De'Aaron Fox, two rebounds. Malik Monk, one rebound. Kevin Herter, one rebound. To put that into perspective, C.J. McCollum, who lit the Kings' ass up for 30, and it damn near could have been 40 or 50 had he needed to play the whole game, but he didn't have to. C.J. McCollum had seven rebounds. You had Nance Jr., seven rebounds. Marshall, six rebounds. Daniels, five rebounds. They didn't just leave it to their big man. They didn't just leave it to to, to the bigs, to your four and five, to go and collect the boards, right? It wasn't just Jonas Valanciunas who had to do that job. Everybody has to crash the glass, especially in a game where if you're, if you're not mustering up any energy, if your shots aren't falling, if offensively you're really struggling, defensively, when you actually get a stop and close out a good defensive possession, make the effort to crash the glass, box out, and grab a rebound. Like, it's not just that the Kings weren't trying to grab the rebound. They weren't trying to keep their opponents off the boards. It's embarrassing. An absolutely embarrassing performance. In addition to that, only six fast break points for the Sacramento Kings. I think four of them came in the fourth quarter, which had nothing to do with the main players who played this game tonight. And the Kings, in their first three quarters, 21 points, 26 points, 14 points. The Pelicans, in their first three quarters, 33 points, 39 points, 31 points. Sacramento was beat completely in this game. But thank goodness for the end of the bench, who came in during the fourth quarter and gave these fans at least effort to cheer for and gave Mike Brown something else to focus on. Remember, it was the fourth quarter of a blowout loss in Houston that gave Keon Ellis his opportunity to break into the rotation. Well, Keon might have 
done it again. I'll explain more in just a second. Today's episode of the Locked On Kings podcast is also brought to you by FanDuel. As we speak, the final Sunday of the NFL regular season is wrapping up, but things are heating up. All the football betting action on FanDuel is going crazy right now. FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Put $5 on the line. Whatever bet you want. You win, you get your $5 back and then some, and you're in the green. You lose, okay, you're only down $5, but here's $150 in bonus bets for you to continue to play to make that $5 back and more on FanDuel. You can bet on so many different things, live same game parlays. You can find bets in their new Explore tab. Uh, you can make parlay bets in the Parlay Hub, which is the best way to find popular parlays that everybody's playing. And there's so many more ways to play, including great ways involving your Sacramento Kings on a nightly or more long-term basis. FanDuel is the number one place to get your betting fix in. FanDuel is so much fun to play. Make sure you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel is an official partner of the NFL. Going to do my best to try and end on a positive note after this horrendous game. The, the the end of the bench, I give them a ton of credit, right? It was mainly, like, the, the, the five that mainly stood out to me was Colby Jones, Keon Ellis, Kessler Edwards, Kevin Herter and Alex Len. Yeah, crazy that Kevin Herter is has gone from starter to playing at the end of the bench. Although I, I'm happy that, that Kevin got that opportunity, and I'll explain why in a little bit. That unit, for the most part, scored 39 points in the Kings' fourth quarter, which is what salvaged triple digits in this game. Like, the Kings had no business. When, when the starters basically came out and the main players basically came out, the Kings had, like, low to mid-60s on the board, and, and the Pelicans were already in the hundreds. Like, the Kings had no business scoring triple digits in tonight's game, but the bench came up, played hard, made the most of their opportunity. Like I said, gave these Kings fans at least a little bit of something to cheer about. I was really happy with uh, with what I saw. Kevin Herter, 17 points, 6 of 10 from the field. Hey, Kevin has been struggling, clearly, and he's been struggling with his offense, which we know is his strong suit. I like the fact that the Kings gave Kevin the opportunity with that group to just go out, get shots, shoot yourself back into a little bit of a rhythm, get your confidence back a little bit. Kevin Herter had some solid moments offensively. I don't think he belongs out there only in garbage time. But again, I think it was a tactful and and and, and smart way, or I should say tactical and smart way to give Kevin the opportunity to, in-game, get himself back into a little bit of a rhythm. Keon Ellis. 13 points, 5 of 6 from the field, 2 rebounds, which, by the way, his 2 rebounds are more than 3 starters and and tie a 4th. Keon Ellis should have won his rotation spot back from Davion Mitchell on tonight's game alone. Like, he won it from Davion after the the, the Houston Rockets beat down. And in my mind, he won it again tonight. And once again, shout-out to Keon because... Only playing in garbage time and only playing in the fourth quarter when he came in when the team was already down by 40-plus points. Again, he's the one coming to the podium answering the questions. If you're going to make him do that, then reward him with the opportunity to play with the starters and the other leaders when they're out there playing. Davion Mitchell just is not working. It's not. Davion's had some good moments since he's come back into the rotation. He's done things that hopefully boost his trade value a little bit. Keon Ellis is more effective than Davion Mitchell is, period. Sorry. 
Eye test says that. Numbers say that. Is what it is. Like, Keon Ellis should be playing because, once again, he made the most of his opportunity and then had to answer the questions about it after the game. Colby Jones, four points, four assists. So, offensively, I think he he might have airballed or come close to airballing a three at one point. Offensively, we didn't see a lot, but he did distribute the basketball, which is some of the thing that, uh, things that he's been asked to do in Stockton with the G League uh, Stockton Kings. So, Got some good minutes of Colby Jones. Kessler Edwards, 10 points, 3 or 4 shooting from the field. I think he hit a couple of 3-pointers, also had a couple rebounds, had some good defensive possessions as a wing. He made the most of his opportunity too. And then there's Sasha Vizenkov. Sasha played with the main guys tonight. It's not a great indication for him, I guess, in a, in a, in a vacuum, that he finally got an opportunity to play again, and it's in a game that the Kings were absolutely destroyed, but it's certainly not his fault. Now, it's also a game where Trey Lyles did not play. He injured his ankle against the Raptors, sat out tonight's game, no idea if he'll be available or not uh, for this Kings road trip or for their first game against Detroit coming up here. But Sasha made at least a, a, an offensive impact, especially when he first came into the game when the game was a little bit close. He had 11 points tonight, 5 of 9 from the field, also had a couple of rebounds. I don't know if he's frustrated or not. I have no clue. I imagine there's probably some frustration because he left Europe where he was a star, an MVP, and he left Olympiacos. Yes, he did it for the money, of course, but he also left a, a goal and a dream of, of winning a EuroLeague title unfinished so that he could come to the NBA. And Mike Brown and the Kings can't find a consistent way to use him. I know defensively there are still concerns. I know issues that he's had on the defensive end of the floor, and he certainly had some big defensive breakdowns tonight, but so did the entire damn team. Offensively, Sasha consistently makes a good impact on this Kings team. I think even with Trey Lyles back, the Kings need to do a better job of finding a way to take advantage and use a EuroLeague MVP sharpshooter who is available to them. I know they're trying to improve defensively and not just shoot their way through every game and try and outscore every opponent. Mike Brown doesn't think that's sustainable, and you know what? He's right. But compared to some guys that have been playing, sometimes you're going to need that offensive boost that Sasha gives you, especially with that second unit. So I think Sasha needs to play more, and I hope that the reaction from tonight's game is not just, okay, see, Sasha got an opportunity to play, and the Kings got blown out. All right, now that Trey Lyles is back, Sasha, you you sit back down and, and collect these DNPs until we decide you're ready to go again. I just hope that's not the case. Maybe it's a good thing. Like, the Kings finished this homestand 2-2. Two and two. DeMontis Sabonis said after the game, like, that's not good enough for a homestand. But regardless, 2-2, two and two, they're headed out onto the road. I think it's a good thing that this was the last game of their homestand instead of, like, the second, third, or first. Because, boy, like, I got the sense. I mean, Kings, some Kings fans were booing tonight, and they're absolutely in the right to boo what they saw. I think this Kings team needs to get away a little bit. And I don't mean on vacation. I mean get away from Sacramento, get to where there's less distractions. They're all together as a group, win some freaking basketball games, regroup, and come back home because they have a tough homestand before an even longer road trip coming up a little bit later on in the month. But that doesn't mean that they can take anybody lightly, especially these first two games. Look, you have the Detroit Pistons and Charlotte Hornets as your first two games of this, this road trip. You already lost to one of them, Charlotte, here in Sacramento as part of this homestand. Correct that mistake. Also, I don't know, as far as I understand, De'Aaron Fox is going to be playing in all five of these games. De'Aaron does look a little banged up to me. He doesn't look completely healthy, but he's being cleared to play. I know he has not been good at all over these past three games, and I, I've seen him in person. I watched him climb the stairs up to the podium a couple of games ago, and he just looked, he looks banged up. He looks tired. 
But if you're cleared to play, dude, you got to play better than what you're playing. So maybe the Kings find a way to rest him for a game during this homestand or during this road trip. I don't know. But like the bare minimum expectation is this Kings team is 2-0 and to start this five-game road trip. You have to beat the Pistons and have to beat the Hornets. I'm not going to go as far as to say, hey, it's a must-win scenario or anything like that. That's silly. But, like, expectations are absolutely that the Kings go 2-0 and to start this, this road trip. Because after that, doesn't get any better. You got the 76ers, the Bucks, and the Suns to end that, that road trip. Ouch, ouch, and a team you've beaten twice, but potentially ouch. Oh, yeah, and then you return home and your first game home against an Indiana Pacers team who is scoring 150 points damn near against anybody. And I think they're going to be able to score a lot of points against the Sacramento Kings, plus the obvious Tyrese Halliburton and Buddy Heald and stuff like that. That's just not a game for morale that you necessarily want to lose, especially after a bad road trip. So we'll see if this Kings team can regroup and figure some things out. Maybe the Detroit Pistons are looking at what happened tonight and went, oh, damn it, the Kings just got their ass kicked. That means they're going to play pissed off. I hope so. I hope the Kings embarrass the Detroit Pistons. Not because of anything Detroit did. It has nothing to do with Marvin Bagley or anything like that. You just got your ass kicked. Bounce back. Make it a showcase game. And make the Detroit Pistons that, that unfortunate team that ran into you at that time. That's what I want to see. Coming up in between now and that Pistons game, I have a, a, a couple podcasts planned for you. I don't know which one I'm going to release first. I'm doing two, two interviews in one day. I'm doing a podcast with Locked On Raptors about a, Pas- a Pascal Siakam trade, which, I mean, maybe the Kings after tonight are a little more willing to give the Raptors what they want, although it's not going to be Keegan Murray. And then I also have a, uh, a podcast coming with Kyle Madsen from ESPN 1320. Uh, he is very closely connected with both the Kings and the Warriors. We're going to discuss a potential Kings and Warriors trade involving either Moody or Kaminga. So those podcasts are coming up uh, in addition to coverage after every single one of these uh, these road games during this road trip. So keep an eye and an ear out for that. Appreciate your support here after a bad loss like this. Far too many bad losses so far this season, but you continue to tune in, to watch, to listen. I appreciate you so much. Can't wait to have you join me on the next episode of Locked on Kings. Until then, my name is Matt George. You've been listening to the Locked on Kings podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network.